The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. And we're all about information, too. we got information coming from Johns Hopkins today. We've got... Uh, Information about doctors winning over computers. I love that. We're going to talk about snacks being healthy and people not knowing they're healthy and it helping them. Uh, We are with uh, Dr. Franklin Weefall from Millennium Cardiovascular. I'm a new voice here. Uh, Dave Alexander uh, out today. So you have me. Uh, My name is Mike Slayman. And Let's get into it because Johns Hopkins, yeah. very near and dear to your heart, certainly. My old alma mater. It's not too, well, actually, it's an old institution. I don't know if people know this, but it was really the first true medical school in the United States. Back in the early 1800s, medical schools were basically storefronts, and doctors developed uh, their own system for teaching people like an apprenticeship. And so what happened was Mary Baker Eddy and Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins was actually a uh, Quaker merchant, and he was involved in the railroads. And he wanted to bring medical schools into an academic um, situation. So he, he founded Johns Hopkins University, and he founded the Johns Hopkins Med School. And, he, and they hired William Osler, who was out of Canada. They had a better system there, McGill University. And they turned it into probably the first real academic medical school. And it's continued that. There have been great innovations there. The first true open-heart surgery, uh, the Blalog Tausek shunt mm-hmm. for uh, blue babies. The blue baby operation was done there. And, you know, all sorts of different things. And they have the uh, distinction of graduating me. You? (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of my buddies who are now really uh, big shots in in academic medicine. But anyway, they've been part of the go-to situation with COVID. They've had this uh, website where they have the registry of all the COVID uh, things in the world, and they've been following this. So the data they collected was analyzed, and it showed that all the restrictions throughout the world, all of the lockdowns, all of the masking has reduced the death risk in COVID only by 0.2%, which mm. was pretty shocking. When you hear Dr. Fauci, you know, constantly saying that he saved millions of lives by his recommendations for strict lockdowns and mask requirements, even among three-year-olds in kindergarten, right. yeah. did not show any difference. And especially with Omicron. I mean, Omicron has been um, a huge thing in terms of the number of cases. But if you look at the death rate now that is going on, the most recent one, and that's determining the deaths four weeks after the number of cases, it's about 0.2%. And what we're seeing 
is a marked reduction. I mean, it was 10% right. in March of 2000, but the people, first time that you know Alpha came through. So right. we're doing a great job. But but people are still dying. We're at yes. 900,000 deaths. Right. And almost 800,000 of them came from Alpha and Delta, not from Omicron. And when you look at the situation um, in countries like Scandinavia, mm-hmm. in countries like Taiwan, they had a different situation. They had a different program, and their program was to isolate the ones who were most at risk, the diabetics, the obese patients, the one with serious autoimmune diseases, and get them to understand they needed to be the ones who uh, took the precautions and not the general population. Sweden never closed schools. Sweden's mm-hmm. mass requirements were very much uh, more lax than ours were. And their death rates were half of those in Germany and France and Spain, and half of what ours were. Yeah. And now um, Denmark, Sweden, and Norway are getting rid of all COVID restrictions. And I think that is where we're heading, and I hope it's where we're heading, because what we failed to really recognize is how much our country has been harmed, not just by the number of deaths, but by the restrictions in society. We've, we've lost um, jobs. We've lost economic um, advances that we would have had. Um, and I think one of the tragedies uh, is that people have, the kids have lost two years of school. Yeah, yeah. There's no way you can tell me. You know, I, that, I, I, especially kids in the inner cities. Yeah, I have, heard something this week yeah. about people that just have had common colds right. because COVID is a form of a cold, correct? Absolutely. The, those people have immunization that they didn't know that they, they could uh, ward against uh, COVID-19? Uh, right. And I think that one of the things they're studying now is that who are the people who were exposed to COVID but didn't get sick? And, you know, I'm one of them. Um, I tested positive for COVID for a day, and I wasn't sick. And so what are those people? They're finding these tremendous genetic differences, but they're also finding that there's a large number of people who had pan-antibodies, antibodies against the entire family of coronaviruses, not just the common colds, but their genetics cause them to develop antibodies against every area on a spike protein um, and when COVID came around, it killed that too. Yeah. What we also forget is that T cells, they're the white blood cells, the killer cells that just, you know, are primed to kill any invader. Those people who had more active natural killer T cells were also the ones who didn't get sick. So that opens up a whole new area of research. Um, and I think that what we need to do is understand where the genetic differences are and focus on that and, and lead to therapies. Um, I've had several patients now. I don't know if you know about Paxlovid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the Pfizer drug that just came out. Right, the, yeah. the Merck drug is Molnupiravir. I can never pronounce this. Molnupiravir. I think that's how you pronounce it. If there's a pharmacist. Better than there, I can do. Yeah, yeah, call in and call me. <laughs> but the Pfizer one is what both of them are what we call protease inhibitors. So the way that COVID has to work is it has to cleave um, a part of this protein called a protease, and this, these two new drugs inhibit that. And I can tell you anecdotally, 
I've had six or seven patients that have gotten, you know, reasonably sick. They've gotten coughs and 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 they were the ones that were a higher risk to go forward. Mm-hmm. If you catch this in five days and you start these medications, basically within 24 to 48 hours, they're better. And so we've come a long way. We've known things. But I think it's time for the powers that be to decide. It's, it's decision-making time. Are we going to go back to where we were and have a flourishing society, get mm-hmm. kids back in school, take the masks off, and let's get back to learning. Let's get back to work. And I think the Scandinavian countries are leading the way. I'm half Norwegian, too, so we can do the Norwegians are oh, yeah. leading the way. And, and, of course, I'm half Chinese, and I, I don't want to say that <laughs> what, what the Communist Party in China has done. But Johns Hopkins has really done us a big favor in saying that, look, what Fauci said was the truth. I mean, you know, I am science kind of stuff. We've got to lock down. We've got to wear masks all the time. We've got to close schools down. It just, it just didn't work. Yeah. I mean, it, a, a minuscule, any death is too much. But it really didn't help lower. Um, it's two in a thousand. It prevented. Now, yeah. he may say two in a thousand deaths was worth it. But how many suicides do we have? How many kids are going to be, you know, losing two essential years of schooling and wind up not being able to have lives because of that in the future? So yeah. I think the evidence is there. Now, the other thing that Johns Hopkins, the Johns Hopkins study has shown is that, you know, the mainstream media does not want to go away from the narrative of Dr. Fauci. They didn't even cover the story. No, they didn't. That's why I'm really making a big deal out of it. I want people to know that um, the evidence is there. It's it did not help to totally lock down. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at Taiwan; they had a very specific way of doing it. They found out he was positive. They got them to um, those people to restrict. They got the ones who were vulnerable to restrict their activities, and mm-hmm. everybody else lived their life. And yeah. that's what we've. Uh, I think got to realize is that we really didn't have a scientific basis for masking. We really didn't have a scientific basis for shutting down the whole country. Mm -hmm. And now that we've looked at the results of doing that, it really didn't help. And, you know, the, the mainstream media criticized what Florida, they criticized South Dakota Mm -hmm. because these were the blue States. I'm sorry, the red States that had not, force the restrictions and uh in florida they focused on therapies okay they focused on if you get sick let's give you the monoclonal antibodies and now they're saying if you get sick let's give you these new medications um paxlovid and guess what their death rates were lower and they were more successful in the blue states mm-hmm. so you know god and, and i don't want to downplay any death is is something we wanted to avoid but when you you look at the restrictions and, and whether we were successful in what we did with COVID, you can't ignore the damage to the country in terms of depression and suicide. And mm. believe it or not, people are linking the higher use of um, opioid and opioid deaths to all of the restrictions, getting people out of work, people losing their jobs, mm-hmm. and and now we've got to face the consequences. And you know, look at the economy now. Our inflation rates are up eight nine percent. 
you know, gas is 50% more expensive than it was last year. No. And, and we've got to ask ourselves, you know, the empty shelves, the um, restrictions in the supply chain, was all this worth it? Did it make a difference in our lives? And I'm not the expert, but the people at Johns Hopkins seems to think there's good evidence that it really didn't. Yeah, well, this is a uh, talk show. It's a call-in talk show. If you want to uh, talk more about that, we could talk about that for the entire two hours, actually. Absolutely. But uh, uh, our number is 919-860-9783. This is a Heart Health Radio Network. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefall? Call 919-860-9783. Yes, that is the, uh, the number. I understand that we have a uh, voice that we know very well that is uh, calling in right now. And uh, uh, Dave Alexander, are you there? There you go. Just like in the bumper music. There you go. There you go. thing we love about radio is the unexpected moments and how we respond. (laughs) Guys, I cannot even tell you how weird it is to be home listening to the show. Yeah, and not hearing your voice. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I had a pre-op appointment for something, and it, it doesn't matter what it is, but they tested me for COVID, and I'm COVID positive. How do you feel? Uh, I'm good. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, the interesting thing, if you look at, we've talked about Dave's health conditions oh. before. Yeah. Well, I'm, not, yeah. I'm yeah. not breaking any HIPAA law. But take no. a look at his history, okay? Diabetes, yep. heart disease. Um, yep. You know, it, he is the prime risk candidate. And here we are now, positive for Omicron, which is 99.9%. So I can tell you, Dave, you don't have Delta, you don't have Alpha. He's asymptomatic. He's asymptomatic. Now, you've been triple vaccinated, right? Triple vaccinated, right. Yeah. Triple vaccinated. And and let me just tell you that most of my work life, you know, I teach during the week. Yeah. But I teach with goggles on and double masks. Wait, wait, wait. Goggles? Goggles. Oh, come on. Are they requiring you to wear goggles? Yes, they are. It's either goggles or a face shield. My choice. Lord have mercy. We need to put that so on I Facebook, can, I think. You I got to get a picture yeah. of this. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 I mean, I, I am visualizing this in my mind. And if I, walked in, if I walked into your room and saw Dave Alexander with goggles and double masks, mm. I think I would run out of the room screaming out of fear of what kind of creature is sitting in that desk. I mean, that's ridiculous. The first, the first week they made us put goggles on, I actually got a pair of welder's goggles. Oh, my God. And put them on. And, you know, Wait, the, dark, the dark lens ones? Yeah, the dark lens ones. I was oh crashing into God. walls and everything. That is just but, insane. But I've been protected in as many ways as I can be protected. Right. And still I fell victim to it. And I, you know, I mean, so many people are getting these breakthrough cases. Well, and the thing is, I don't think you can, I mean, again, if the medical board's listening, I'm not advocating breaking the rules and taking off your masks and taking off your goggles, but I don't think 
that you can prevent it. Yeah. I, getting with Omicron. I don't think that masks work. Now, let me let me give you a kind of story, and uh, Dave would be here to shut me up, but since you're not here, I'm going to say it. I was on an airplane the other night, other day, flying to Atlanta. I had my mask on, and the guy in front of me um, passed gas. I mean, you know, it was the SBD, <laughs> silent but deadly. Now, Live know, radio, folks. You know, we talked about this a little bit, but if you can smell that, those that's particulate, okay? Mm-hmm. okay. And I can guarantee you that his Omicron uh, came into my nose uh, uh-huh. or would have come into my nose at much easier than the yeah. particulates that uh, mm. infiltrated through the back seat. And, you know, I, I think we've <laughs> got to just open up and open up our minds and realize it's there. And, um, you know, I think that the only reason why, I mean, can you imagine if Alpha or Delta had been as infectious, as contagious as Omicron is, what would have happened? And there was really no evidence that masks work. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, there's just no evidence that you can use to convince me that masking worked. I, you remember Dave in the beginning when Fauci says masks don't work, and right. then he admitted he lied because, uh, or he at least you know lying from what he knew because he didn't want us to take the mask away from the healthcare personnel, and then right. he told us to mask. Then he told us to double mask, and you know wear what did he say? Wear a cloth mask and a surgical mask at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, then cloth masks don't work. I mean, that's he admitted that. So this is, I think, the reason why people don't want to get vaccinated. You know, the interesting thing about this is since we started wearing the masks, nobody is coughing in the office. No one is getting colds. I don't hear sniffles. Yeah. We are healthier in uh, America. Well, and also look at the flu. Okay. Look at influenza. I've had one case. And I can remember two years ago, I mean, I was telling people were calling right and left. And I was prescribing Tamiflu um, quite a bit, maybe 10 prescriptions a week. None. Zero. I only know one person who's gotten influenza. Now, I vaccinated my entire office. And interestingly, I only had one person hesitant to get the influenza vaccine. But I had tremendous numbers of both patients and staff who didn't want to get the, the COVID vaccine. And I think it's because there was so much misinformation, not just from Facebook and not just from the far, you know, the, the people on the fringe uh, who were saying the COVID vaccine will make you ma- electromagnetic, et cetera. But I think people really didn't believe the experts anymore, quote unquote expert. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what were you going to believe? What were you not going to believe? And I think Dave is, though, a prime example of someone with multiple risk factors who was triple vaccinated. And I, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, you've been, you, you, you t- Omicron, you don't test positive for three days, four days. So mm-hmm. you've been infected for a while now, Dave, and you, you sound great. And he, you feel yeah, great. Um, I, I'm fine. I, I have no complaints at all. We're, we're laughing about it because, you know, if it's not going to, in my life, I'm just going to enjoy about a week sitting at home watching British TV shows yeah. and, you know, just having my feet up because I can't go to work. Nobody's going to let me in their office. I'll let you in my office. I mean, uh, I will. I mean, but of course, you know, you'll have to wear a hazmat suit 
and uh, we'll we'll start calling you the Bubble Boy. You know how would it how would it be different from my normal teaching day? Absolutely, really, honestly. Now, what are you doing for your family? Are you hiding in the basement? Here's what I'm. I think we're going to settle on. We've got a uh, mother-in-law suite. My mother-in-law is, is living with us. So you're going to kick your so mother-in-law out of her own bed? We are going to probably put her in, you know, one of the kids' houses, and my wife is going to move into her room, and I'm going to take. No, I have a solution to this. I've what? been in your house. I have yeah. seen you have a closet. Okay. I do have a closet. Just yeah. clear out the closet and go mm. go in there and just they That's can put the now. food they can put the food under the door and you can just live in there. Get yourself a little TV. Yeah, sounds and, great, Dave. You know, I think the closet is the place for you. I can't believe you would kick your own mother in law out of her suite with an asymptomatic uh, case of COVID. I just can't believe cons- it. Considering I'm sick with COVID, yes, I'm gonna kick her out. Lord I'm going to kick her out because the alternative is me sleeping in the garage. Well, that's okay. okay. I mean, I've got a North Face um, yeah. sleeping bag that will go to oh, minus 30. Good. It's very comfortable. Mm. Yeah. yeah and we can great. set up a hammock and yeah. you can just hang out in there. Yeah. Pitch a tent that's in good. the backyard. <laughs> and, you, you know, much. they can, they can hey, leave the know, food. Out, outside, you can raise the garage door, grab it, clo- lower the garage door. <laughs> yeah. The but other this... alternative is me sleeping in the garage, and I don't think they're going to let me. No. Okay. I really don't. Okay. Uh, but let me just let me just tell you, I'm looking at the clock, and I just want you to know that I touch base with Rose Hoban. She will be available to you at 1230. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. That's great. All right, so, Dave. You uh, get well. You take care of yourself. Thank you. Are you going to get you. retested? Yeah, I'm going to wait a couple of days because if I get well, re- no, I mean, you know what they're no. saying now, Dave, is that if you're yeah. asymptomatic, now here's the here's the guideline, yeah. and I don't know what your school is going to say, but if you're asymptomatic five days after testing, um, they say that you don't need to get retested and you can go on with your life. Um, okay. I, I, you know, listen. The PCR test will often be positive for weeks because of the dead DNA and RNA yeah, that hangs yeah, around. Happening. If you want to know um, whether or not you're infectious, the answer is the antigen test. So we can do that later. Okay, we got to ramp things up. This is a Heart Health Radio Network. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. And this is a, a popular show. I told people to call in. They called Absolutely. in. And we were so engrossed well, in you, the conversation. You know, that the we, problem is I can't shut up. I'll okay. tell you. I just can't shut up. So, Judy and Tanya, my apologies. We will get to you. But right now it is time to... <laughs> Find out what is going on in North Carolina health news uh, with uh, Rose Hoban. Uh, good, hi there, Rose. How are you? Good, gentlemen. Nice to meet you. Um, Dave told me that you were going to be filling his um, very hard to fill shoes. They are. So, they are um, hard. Yes. You're welcome, Mike. Uh, listen, uh, you're famous. I I pulled up North Carolina Policy Watch. 
and they've got a big. Uh, there's a picture of you. I guess you're on a podcast. Um, uh, was it an interview? And it says yeah, North Carolina news founder Rose Hoban discusses the rise of the Omicron variant. Tell us, tell us what you know, and give us uh, your information, your your wisdom and knowledge. Well, I mean, there's the rise, and now there's it's seemingly there's the fall. We're seeing cases falling. Yay! And really falling like a brick, huh? I know. It's, yeah. it's, it's exciting. Um, and um, we're also seeing hospitalizations falling. Um, we're not seeing ICU admissions falling quite as fast as the hospitalizations. There's going to be a um, lag there, isn't there? Um, there's definitely going to yeah. be a lag there, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I suspect that the hospitalizations that... We're seeing a lot of the folks who had the quote-unquote incidental cases, right, that they came in with COVID, that they're, um, but, but they were there for something else and they came in also with COVID, that they're getting discharged pretty quickly. Um, but that the folks who, you know, might be unvaccinated and got sick, um, uh, that, that they're kind of hanging on a little longer. Um, so we'll see, you know, we'll see how quickly it all falls, like the, the, the initial drop down, and it, you know, it's hard to tell, right? Because you watch trends, and I'm sort of trying not to watch it every day, um, just because you you. It's better to watch like a three to four to five day trend sure. rather than like you know one one or two days. Um, but you know, there was a little plateau. There was, you know, there's been the, the ICU admissions have plateaued right out at around 750 for like. Three days, so we'll see. Maybe, maybe after the weekend, we'll see that they've dropped down a little further. So. You're plugged in pretty well with the government of North Carolina. Do you have any um, early news or any insider news about when they're going to get rid of the mask restrictions and when they're going to get rid of some of the restrictions in schools? I no. I mean, you know, come on, don't they I tell don't, you? I I would thought you'd be no, like a secret agent. No. No, 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 no. I mean, I know is I know what I know from, you know, being at the press conferences on a regular basis. Right. I, I mean, you know, people have asked that before, um, and you know, it's it's a it's a and it's it's hard to know, right? And there is, I think, what is it? The General Assembly passed a bill, and it requires um, school districts to review. Is that now? I'm thinking about it. Uh, it requires school districts to review things every month, so it really is on a primarily on a, on a month-to-month basis yeah. um, at the local level. So you know, there's that, um, and so you know, it's it's kind of like how much longer. Um, I think now that little kids, boy, I, I'll tell you that I have several uh, people who work for me who have younger kids, and they are so thrilled. That the that the vaccines are coming for younger children because, like one of the people who works for me, her kid has been in and out of daycare, and uh, because you know a kid will, you know one kid will test positive and then everybody's got to go home and yeah. then I lose her because she's got to take care of her very rambunctious right. two and a half year old boy who's who's really all boy <laughs> what's the what's a number of what's our vaccination percentage now in north carolina how many people have gotten vaccinated um we're doing pretty well on the vaccines um i, I mean we've got um in terms of all adults we um 
Let me see. We are at, just scrolling down to it now. Um, let me see. So all adults over 18 were at 71%. That's, that's not bad so, in terms of how we compare. It's not bad. Yeah, it it'll still means that probably a couple million people um, are unvaccinated because as a total for the state, right? And it's kind of easy. We have 10 million people, 10.5 million people. So you kind of go like each 10 percentage points is about a million people. So all told across the state, it's 60%. So that means that 4 million people, Maso Menos, are still unvaccinated. But well, they still have a chance to get vaccinated. So if you're listening, that's a yeah. much better way of putting it. If you're listening, um, Rose and I and Mike and Dave all mm. agree. Get vaccinated yeah. to get your booster. Listen, everybody. Well, and, and that's what, and that's, and, and that is, there was just the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. <laughs> I, I, I love the name of that um, from the CDC. And they were talking about, I think, the chances of being hospitalized if, uh, if you're unvaccinated or like, what is it, like 17 times greater? Yeah, and you're 15 times greater, 15 times greater chance of dying if you yeah. get uh, COVID yeah. infection uh, mm-hmm. vaccinated yeah. versus, uh, I mean, unvaccinated versus vaccinated. Well, listen, and North I, Carolina I, healthnews.org. It's Rose's baby, and it's a great source of information on all sorts of things medical. And thanks again for being on the show. We'll talk to you next week. God bless you. All righty. Actually, you'll talk to me in a couple of weeks. I'm actually going okay. on vacation. Well, whenever you uh, can join Well deserved, Rose. We'll thanks it. so Thank much. You. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Well, we have waited a long time to get Judy on the line. Judy. So, Judy, welcome to the Heart Health Radio Network. Dr. Franklin Weefald. And what's your question? Good morning. Uh, I had a triple bypass about 15 years ago, and um, I'm 82 years old, and I play tennis three times a week, and I do line dancing, and I'm running around all that. And so you're making me tired just listening to you. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, it, it's great, and uh, but I didn't like, and I've been naughty because my husband died, and I guess I I'm sorry. Too many cookies, you know. Thank you. But um, I was appalled because my LDL was uh, 109.6. Okay. January it was much lower, but I know I went it under 70. And, and a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about turmeric and and ginger and uh, fish yeah. oil. Uh-huh. You want the um, LDL to be under 70. Yes. And so I wondered if you could give me some information as to how much Turmeric and fish oil, I mean. Sure. Fish oil is controversial. And and so let me just tell you what I think. There was a study called Reduce It. And what it showed was that if you took a very specific kind of fish oil, purified to as pure as it can be, and the, the, the thing that they seem to think works in fish oil is something called EPA, eicosapentoic acid. So it's purified. It's called vesipa. And believe it or not, Recipa lost their patent. I don't know how they did that, but now there's a generic too. It's kind of expensive, and it sounds like you're on Medicare given your age group, and I've seen it covered by some Medicare Part Ds and not covered by others. But it definitely, at least the researchers say, reduces the risk of another uh, bypass or a stent or a heart attack pretty tremendously. 
Let me ask you one question before we get to the natural things. Are you taking a statin? Uh, I'm taking Lipitor. Okay, how much? Um, 80 milligrams. Wow. Yeah, you're on the big dose. Have they talked to you about taking um, something called Zadia or is that Amoebe on top of it? Um, no, they haven't talked okay. to me about You might want to ask your doctor. There have been several studies that show if you're on a high dose of a statin and it's still not getting down, you can try something called a Zadamibi. Now, if that doesn't work, talk to your doctor about a sh- once every two week shot, or as they say in old blighty in mm. England, a jab. And I do this. Um, I'm on a high dose of a statin, just like you. And I've had coronary disease, but I haven't had to have bypass. And I'm taking this shot, Rapatha. And I got my LDL down to 11. I'm not talking about 111. I'm talking about 11. And the blockage in my neck has gone away. Mm. And the blockage in my heart, as determined by a CT scan and the calcium, has markedly improved. Now, let's get to the turmeric. Why are we using turmeric? Not to lower cholesterol. It's to prevent inflammation. So your risk of a heart attack would be not necessarily just your cholesterol, but how much inflammation is in your body. We're all inflamed. But as we get older, the amount of inflammation gets worse. Do you have arthritis on top of all this? Doesn't sound like it. You're so active. No, I don't. Good. So one of the things your doctor can do is measure the C-reactive protein, CRP, and it gives us an idea of how much total inflammation is in your body. Now, my CRP was Mm. 7, which is pretty high. It's now less than 0.1. I take turmeric. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't know the dose of turmeric. What I do is just get the stuff off the shelf uh-huh. And take two capsules a day, just whatever it is, two capsules a day. The nice thing about turmeric is it's not toxic. Okay, it's just a spice, mm-hmm. and it's from India, and it really does lower your level of inflammation. So, have you heard about that stuff on Fox News? I don't know if you listen to Fox News, and I can't remember the name, but it is a they they talk about a pain relief medication, and it is basically turmeric. Okay. Oh. And the way it reduces pain is by reducing inflammation. And they, they market it as an all-natural you know, substitute uh, for taking a lot of um, Advil and stuff like that. And I believe it works. Um, my back pain's better. Uh, my C-reactor protein is lower. So in terms of a dose, I just, just go get some turmeric and take two capsules a day. Now, the other thing you can do is milk thistle. It's not made out of milk. It's just the natural um, plant looks like it's got a milky top to it. You can take one or two of those a day. And then ginger, uh, it's another spice. And all three of those things are natural compounds. Um, they, they don't have side effects. They can't hurt you in large doses. But what they will do, and it's been shown scientifically, is reduce inflammation. Now, it hasn't been studied to show that it prevents a heart attack. But reducing inflammation can't be a bad thing. And they're doing the studies now. It's amazing. You can't patent this. Maybe they'll come up with a patentable combo pill of turmeric and ginger and milk thistle, and they'll patent that and, and show that it prevents a heart attack. I don't know that for sure. But in terms of your uh, elevated cholesterol, get rid of sugar in your diet as much as possible. Get rid of white flour products. Get rid of the inside of white potatoes. And 
if you look on uh, our website, we have what's called the no-no diet. Right. And that means it's like your mom saying, no, no, you can't have another Coca-Cola. And we have insights because a glass of apple juice has more sugar in it than a glass of Coke. I'm not saying you shouldn't have apple juice, but it's just understanding that it's not the fat and the meat that you eat that hurts you. It's the inflammatory foods. And, you know, it sounds like you're doing a good job. Yeah. You're healthy. I mean, you know, your voice sounds healthy. You're out there exercising. Um, But, you know, getting your cholesterol level down would be a good thing. So talk to your doctor about whether you should be on Zetia. And your goal is 70, but the lower your LDL is, the the lower the chance is going to be that you're going to need to have a stent. Um, and the interesting thing, I was going to talk about this in the future, once you hit 80, medical therapy for coronary disease works just as well as a stent or getting bypass surgery oh. in terms of preventing death and prolonging your life. So you've had the bypass, you've got good blood flow. Now your job is to prevent blockages from coming back. All right. Well, Judy, thank you for calling in. Great question. Thank you. Bye. Yes. Have a great time. Uh, we've got our shout-out coming up next. Also, uh, Tanya on the line, so yep. we'll get to that. You are listening to the Heart Health Radio Network. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up and down. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that song. Yeah, we've, I love that song. we've got uh, someone to shout out we've got this two, week. We've got actually, real quick. One of the things I always tell people is the uh, the doctors and nurses are not the only, and the physician's assistants and nurse are not the only people we should appreciate in terms of delivering medical care. Now, the guy who fixes my printer, his name is Mark Auten, and you may think, why is he shouting out a printer guy? Because he's kept that printer going, and his staff have kept that printer going for two years. Remarkably important. I got to print out my EKGs. I got to print out my office notes. Mm-hmm. Mark Auten. Now, the other thing I want to shout him out for is he listens to the show oh, <laughs> every Saturday. We love you. And then Joseph Plass, he's a new patient, atrial fibrillation and, and coronary artery disease. He's doing extremely well, and he's taking everything he's supposed to take. And I'm shouting him out as a prime example of one of my patients who I really enjoy taking care of and who takes care of himself and is doing extremely well. Hmm. The last person we're going to shout out is Tanya. Tanya. She's been on hold for 30 minutes. (laughs) So we're going to go to Tanya now. (laughs) Tanya. Oh, my. You are so patient. Oh, welcome to the Heart Health Radio Network. Dr. Franklin, we follow this here. And what is your question? Well, actually, Dr. Weefault, I have two issues that I wanted to discuss sure. this morning. I just, um, and, and they're along the same lines. We're going to backtrack back to the pandemic issues and the issue of vaccine. And um, I, I, wanted to, um, I wanted to bring up an article that I read sure. this week. Um, it was off of Yahoo News. And it talked about the fact that the reason, the big difference between the United States' recovery from the pandemic and um, Western European nations like Sweden and Denmark that are so much further ahead of us being able to shed restrictions mm-hmm. is that their, 
their rates of inoculation, particularly with regard to the booster, are so much further ahead of ours. Yeah, they are. And they are crediting um, their recovery, their faster recovery from pandemic restrictions to the fact that so many more of their population are boosted. Yeah, I think it's it's running about 85 to 90 percent versus our total, uh, about 71 percent. Now, I have talked before uh, about this, and I agree with you. I think, you know, if we could get more people vaccinated and more people boosted, um, I think we we will see our emergence from this pandemic to be quicker. We're heading in the right direction. The thing that I don't know is that whether or not there's a study, and maybe you can help us, about natural immunity um, in Europe versus the natural immunity we have here in the United States. And no, I, th- I don't know about that. Yeah. I just, that the, this article dealt only with rates of inoculation. Yeah. So it, inoculation, I yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I, I think yeah. that this one of the sad things is that our experts being wrong so often yeah. um, have, have contributed to the hesitancy yeah. that I see, especially in my practice. I have a lot of people who really just refuse. They're not going to get the vaccine. Yeah. They don't trust the government, despite huh. the fact that I tr- try to educate as much as I can about how safe the vaccines are, the risk of a vaccine, serious vaccine side effect, is 0.005%, less than being killed by a lightning strike, yes. less than, you know, um, some, you know, great, uh, you know that getting hit on the head and dying from a coconut is a registered <laughs> cause of death. It's less than being hit on the head by a coconut and dying. Wow. So we really need to get the word out um, right. about vaccination. And unfortunately, we've got a lot of things going against us. We've got the false information from people like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. We've got the false information that's on Facebook. And yes. uh, wait, wait, Meta. It's called Meta now. Can you it believe is. that? Yes. But anyway, um, you had another question you wanted to yeah, ask. I did. Um, I am the mother of two adults boys with developmental disabilities. Okay. Uh, I have one of them has autism. Okay. Uh, the other one who is actually with me right now as we're speaking has Down syndrome. He's about to turn 23. Well, bless your heart. Um, oh, it, it's, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Let's just sum it and up. And you know, this is what I was going to say. I must have seven or eight Down syndrome patients and they're, they're oh. wonderful people. Uh, people oh, don't under, and autism too. How high yeah. on the spectrum is your other son with autism? He is significantly impacted, uh, but his skills are so scattered. Um, he's got areas in his um, developmental domain that are high and then are very low. Uh-huh. Um, he's verbal. He loves, uh, contrary to what most people with autism, you might say would be typical of most people with autism, he's not in his own world at all. He thrives on socialization. He loves to be around people. He'll strike up conversations with perfect strangers, but he does and can have a major behavioral disruption. Mm-hmm. Um, he's currently living in a home of his own with twenty-four staff, twenty-four hour a day staffing, and awake staff at night. Wow! So um, that that has worked out to be better for him, better for the rest of the family. Um, it was a tumultuous time under our roof, um, and I'll just leave it at that. But. He's more stable behaviorally than he's ever been before. And I think he's living probably close to the best life he can. That's fantastic. uh, But my son with autism, who is still living with us for the time being, um, 
I I keep up on rates of infection with the developmental mm-hmm. uh, developmentally delayed population, um, according to several sites that I have that I consider to be reputable. Um, the rate of infection, the risk of infection and hospitalization for people with Down syndrome is five times what it would be for the typically developing population. And that is and the, the case, of, yeah. And risk of death once hospitalized is four times greater. It is. And so I have been enormously proactive, and I pulled him from everything. Yeah. He, he was attending a fantastic day program. And I have just explained to them, he's not going to be attending for the time being, and it may be a while before he comes back. But until infection rates come way down, um, he's at home with us, and we restrict who comes in and out of our house, where I take him. Um, we avoid groups of people, large groups of people altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, he, we still maintain that he's got a fantastic quality of life. However, life for him and us is very different. And um, I, he's boosted. He's doubly vaccinated. I, in light of what you were saying earlier about, you know, we, we just need to shed some restrictions. We need to get back to life as normal. Would you still say? that I am doing the right thing in being so um, monitoring his infection exposure. Oh, you're doing absolutely the right thing. And this is what I think we should have done from the beginning, is not isolate every person and treat us all as quote-unquote equal. We should have done what you did, which is to protect the vulnerable Mm -hmm. in a very strict manner. Because I think that was how we could have prevented a lot of deaths. Um, the, the people who were at high risk of dying and who did die um, had multiple risk factors. And, you know, people don't realize that those individuals with Down syndrome have immune systems that are not quite uh, always up to snuff, and, and they have an intense inflammatory response at times. It has to do with the genetics of, of, of their condition. They have three chromosomes of number 21 chromosome. That's what causes it. But there's a spectrum of uh, developmental delay and physical conditions. Did did your son have any of the heart problems associated with Down syndrome? He he had a sizable ASD at birth, Uh and it was surgically corrected at nine months of age. So that's, you know, one of the situations. And Down syndrome patients are at much higher risk for lymphoma as well. So I'm sure that, you know, your, your physician is monitoring for that. But you have done exactly what we should have done. And I, I bet you're protecting yourself, too, so oh, you don't spread it to him. Absolutely. In yeah. fact, one of our major concerns is that um, my daughter is a paramedic, best oh, wow. paramedic God ever made. I'm telling you, this girl is sharp. And she, um, she works for Johnston EMS, and for a while there, all she saw was COVID. All she saw, all she transported to the hospital was COVID, one after another after another. Incidentally, she did tell me, she says, I have yet to transport a single person to the hospital with COVID that had been vaccinated. Right. Well, listen, we have got to go to a break. I love the fact that you are uh, on with us. Hang loose. Don't don't leave. We'll get you after the commercial. This is a Heart Health Radio Network. The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. 
Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, mm. Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. And uh, we are also a uh, talk show. We've got uh, people on the line waiting to talk to us. Uh, Dr. Franklin, we fall here from Millennium Cardiovascular. And uh, we uh, have uh, someone on the line. Yeah, Tanya, uh, are you still there? Yes, I am. Yeah, I know you wanted to say some more. I didn't want to cut you off at the commercial. Um, you know, I think one of the things I want to tell people out there is that if you haven't lived with special needs children and you haven't raised them, you cannot experience what you what Tanya's been through. And I just want to give you a huge shout-out for, oh. you know, you're just you're a wonderful person, I can tell. Oh, and well, it's just That is so kind of you. I appreciate Well, that. I have a lot of patients who are the, the parents of special needs children. I, have you ever heard of Fragile X Syndrome? I had a, yes. a couple who were in their 80s, and their child was in his 60s. Wow. And it's so hard to understand what they've been through their entire lives. And for you to say you wouldn't change a thing, that tells me what a great person you are. Oh, well, you know, I, I really I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. Um, I'm blessed in that I'm married to a man with the same vision who has just gone to the, the ends of the earth, uh, spent himself tirelessly to create a, the best life for his children. He is really the hero in our family. Well, great. So uh, my shout-out really is to him. Uh, as far as my kids go, I think I was blessed with um, with extraordinary kids. You know, and I, I mean that not just in the sense that they have special needs, but that they are in their own right extraordinary people. My, our family's nickname for our son with Down syndrome is Love on Legs. That's who he is. He's just Love on Legs. And uh, so anyway, I, I just I also wanted to to just say you'd mentioned risk factors in our family. Um, we had, for the first year and a half of my daughter's married life, they lived with us. And um, like I mentioned, you know, she is high exposure of the COVID people to the hospital and deals, you know, she's up close and personal with people who have this disease. And um, then my, uh, my husband is a teacher, and he, uh, he's a, a triple bypass. And he's had triple bypass in the past. And so, um, you know, we, we really do have to be very, very proactive in what we allow in the door in our home and, and how oh, yeah. we take care of our So, um, and the rest, I'm telling you, we just believe in the power of prayer. <laughs> and uh, I pray over my family every day, God, please protect us from all infirmities. And I, I believe he hears and answers prayers. So, um, so far, we have not been touched by uh, COVID. Um, pray that that will always be the way it is in the future. Uh, we've done the best we can to protect ourselves, and we leave the rest in God's hands. You know? So, there you have it. 
Well, I, I'm really glad you called. You've done everything right. And I think you're the prime example of what we should have done in this country is, you know, have the uh, special restrictions for families like yourself and educate about how to reduce the risks as much as possible and let the rest of the country live. And I'm so glad that you all have done well, and it's a testament. But let me tell you something. You know, your family is a walking, talking textbook of medicine. <laughs> yeah. I, and, you know, the stress in your life, how, you know, it's yeah. just with your attitude, I can just tell you right now, um, you're the you're just number one on my uh, list of, of people I'm going to think about for a long time mm. because you're oh. a special person and God chose you for a reason. And just oh. keep doing what you're doing and be happy in life because you, you have. Well, I'll tell you, I'm person that I was before they came and really used them in my life positively. Well, God chose you for a reason and you just keep doing what you're doing. Call us again. Let us know how your family's doing. God bless you. All right, Tanya, take care. Thank you so much. Uh, You know, it's interesting. We were talking before uh, about certain countries that have handled things a little bit better. Yeah. Um, we're going to get to Roger uh, in a moment here. Uh, so, uh, but we want to talk about one country in particular, Denmark. Yeah. And you're just impressed by the way they handled the whole COVID thing. Well, they did a, a great thing is that they kept open um, and they made an effort to get everybody vaccinated when the vaccines came out. And, but they, they continued going to school. They opened their restaurants. They kept their economy um, as much as possible um, up and running. Mm -hmm. And they focused on protecting the vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean exactly Tanya's family. And she did the right thing. Nobody got it uh, in her family. At least that's what I was, um, that's what she said, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she was careful about who they let in the door. They did all the things that you were supposed to do to keep themselves from being exposed. That's what the Scandinavian countries did. And people criticize Sweden. But let me tell you, go look it up. They had... Denmark, you mean? It, well, no. All, of the, all yeah. of the countries in Scandinavia did the, basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so Denmark, Sweden, and Norway. And I think it would have been a lesson for us. Uh, I don't know how much um, the prancing and... <laughs> you know, primping that our quote-unquote experts did. You know, Fauci has pictures of himself and all over the, the walls in his office, and he loved being on TV. You know, I saw his schedule, and his schedule was about an hour on science and 17 hours on TV. And, you know, we just need to realize we're coming out of this, and we have to live again. We just have to. All right. Well, uh, Roger has been waiting a line here uh, a long while uh, on the Heart Health Radio Network. Hi there, Roger. What can we help you with today? Dr. Franklin Weefold here. Yeah, hello. I enjoy your program. Thank you. I'm 82, and uh, I'm fairly healthy. I take a little bit of uh, hydrazoline hydrazoline and bisinopril. Uh, I have I have uh, also taken warfarin. I have AFib. Okay. 
And but I'm real active. I can get my tiller, get in the garden, and I mean, sweat running down in my shoes, and I never have any chest pains or uh, heart rate, you know, out of sight. And, right. Uh, but the question come up: My doctor, heart doctor, wants me to have a stress test. Yeah. And uh, at 82, I was a little bit scared of it, uh, especially the nuclear kind. Yeah. And uh, I just wonder what your thoughts on it was. Uh, well, you know, it's very interesting because I was I was reading an article today that um, people who are in their 80s who do have heart disease. Um, medical treatment is as good as a bypass in terms of keeping you alive and keeping you feeling well. Now, I'm not quite sure the reasoning. Is it just your age that your doctor wants to know if you have heart trouble? I did an echogram. Uh That was fine. I did an EKG. That was fine. And he made a statement that, you know, you've got a real good heart, uh, healthy heart. Sure. And then the next statement was, I want to schedule you for a uh, stress test. Sure. I'm not quite sure. They didn't go together. And, you know, I'm not quite sure. I'm not going to second guess your cardiologist because I'm not there. But what I can talk about are patients like you. And have they checked your cholesterol level? Uh, I I take, uh, let's see what it is. I take 20 milligrams of uh, Avastatin. Yeah. Atorvastatin. Are you on a beta blocker too, metoprolol or anything? No. Okay. That means your heart rate's probably not that fast, right? No, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. All right. Let me talk about what I would do with a patient like you. And I'm just going to describe a patient who has atrial fibrillation, is on warfarin. The reason why you're on that is to prevent clots from forming in the upper chamber of the heart and breaking off and causing a stroke. Hydra- <coughs> Excuse me. Hydralazine is a blood pressure medicine. It's a vasodilator, so what it does is it dilates the arteries and keeps the blood pressure down. You're on lisinopril, which is what we call an ACE inhibitor, and it lowers the blood pressure through a complex mechanism. You tell me that you're able to do everything you want to do. Uh, the patient, you know, like you, would, would be active and healthy. The question is, would I do a stress test on that patient? And I'm not saying you. I'm saying a patient that I can describe like you. And the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't do a stress test because, number one, what if you find something, okay? What if you have a blockage, okay, one blockage, or maybe two? Um, the reason why I wouldn't want to know is I'm going to treat you the same anyway, right? I'm not going to send you to a heart catheterization. You're not symptomatic. I'm not going to change your medicines because they are working to help you in the way you have it. I would keep your cholesterol level down. I'd continue the cholesterol medicine. I would, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. It sounds like it's been successful. And so if I had a patient just like you, and again, I'm not making recommendations for you. You need to follow what your physicians want to do. But I, if I had a patient just like you, I would not do a stress test. Well, he, uh, he prescribed uh, isosorbate. At yeah. the same time that he did the hydralazine, uh-huh. and he said it may cause a headache, and I started taking it, and sure enough, about the second day, my yeah. head was throbbing. But what would be the what was the reason he said that he added another medicine? I mean, did you? You sounds like you're not symptomatic, 
So no, I don't I don't have any symptoms yeah. at all. I mean, I can get my chainsaw and yeah. I I spent all day in the woods cutting wood, you know, this this fall. Wow. Well, I don't know. Did he did he tell you why he was giving you the isosorbine? Uh well, I I was on uh I was on a uh Lazenapril, Benazapril. Mhm. And uh also uh hydralazine. Am amlodipine. Oh, okay. Combination of those and uh, he wanted me to stay on uh Benazapril and they gave me the hydrazoline and yeah. I so so bad. Okay. Well, I mean, there must be a reason why he thought you had... So isosorbide is an anti-anginal, and what that does is it dilates the coronary arteries and reduces the amount of chest discomfort. But you tell me that you're doing all sorts of great physical things, toting a, as I say, toting a chainsaw, and you're not feeling bad. So, yeah, again... I work, every, I work every day. I restore antique cars, and yeah. uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm physically able i'm active uh, i don't have any chest pains any heart problems yeah. at all well sit down with your cardiologist and say look why are you giving me this what is the reasoning that you have <clears throat> to put me on an anti-anginal medicine when you don't have angina and to do a stress test when you're not symptomatic and just mm-hmm. just see what your doctor says all right listen it's great talking to you it's uh i, I come up across this a lot I get second opinions. Do mm-hmm. I need a stress test? Yeah, and yeah. and it's it. You know, again, I can't I can't tell you what to do because I can't diagnose you over the phone, but I can you know tell what I would do if a patient if I had a patient like you, and the most important thing is go back, sit down, and ask your physician why are you doing this? Why am I on these medications? You know, and you're a smart guy. He should mm-hmm. be able or she should be able to. Uh, Explain things. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I think we're intimidated asking those questions. Listen, it's your life. And if the cardiologist or your doctor gets upset that you're asking questions, time to get a new cardiologist, actually. Roger, thank you so much. Have a great day. You have a good day. You too. We're talking about doctors. Uh, do you remember when Ken Jennings yeah. – uh, got beat by the computer, uh, Ken Jennings yes. from, from Jeopardy. From Jeopardy. Right, yeah. right. I mean, uh, Jennings won 74 games in a row, just uh, astounding. Uh, so they got this uh, computer from IBM, I think it was. It's called Watson. Watson. And you know what they developed Watson for is to be the artificial intelligence doctor. So Watson Health was going to be a huge part of IBM, and they were showing how great it was by beating Ken Jennings in Jeopardy. Yeah. Well, guess what? They got a program together, CVD, Cardiovascular um, Risk Factor uh, Discriminator. And what they did is they hooked it up into the electronic medical record at a major medical center, and then they did a little test. And they, they had this computer, this artificial intelligence machine, either alert the physician or the physician extender to the fact that a patient was at higher cardiovascular risk, or they didn't. Mm -hmm. And they relied on the doctor to determine that based on, you know, physical examination and history taking and review of the records. 
And they wanted to show that the artificial intelligence computer would do a better job at identifying those risks and preventing future cardiac events. Well, after five years, guess what? The doctor was better. And so this, I think, tells you that medicine is more than just the statistics you pull out of a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, I refuse to do telemedicine. I tried it for a little bit during the COVID and the initial COVID problems and, and then uh, endemic pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't look my patient in the eye. I couldn't see the color of their skin. I couldn't look at their body language. Um, I couldn't get the spouse's input because, you know, you're just on this, this TV screen. And, and it's, it's not just pulling up information and numbers on the computer and, and running them through some sort of artificial intelligence program. It's, it's natural, human-to-human interaction. Mm-hmm. And it's been proven. And you know what? Watson Health, they're going to sell it. It hasn't been shown to be of um, uh, help in terms of preventing uh, disease and death. And, you know, this is, we talk about this all the time, but everybody goes to the doctor now. And what do they see? The doctor comes in with a notebook computer or they slide in their, you know, the PC and they start tapping away. And asking questions. There's no eye contact. And then they, you know, they say, time's up. And why do they do this? It never used to be that way. Because they have, if you work for an organization like a hospital, and most cardiologists now work for hospitals and work for healthcare organizations, they require them to have their notes done when the patient leaves. So if you've got a 15-minute time window, Mm. and they're also on the clock because they have to have a productivity, you know, they have to meet their productivity numbers. They're going to work on that note. They're going to work on that note, not work on you. And so I refuse to do that. I do my notes later. And I let me tell you, I'd get in big trouble with a hospital organization for the way I do things. But I bring in a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper. I print out their records so I can look at them at the same time I'm looking at the patient. And it's just the old-fashioned way of doing it. Um, But I tell you right now, I have a much lower incidence of heart attacks in patients that I'm taking care of than I did before. Um, I hate the concept that the electronic electronic medical record is the be-all and end-all. I disagree completely. I'm glad the doctor won. Uh, We uh, would love to hear from you today uh, on the Heart Health Radio Network. Our number is 919-860-9783. The lines are open right now, so uh, give us a call. This is a Heart Health Radio Network. Well, you know, in this program, we do applaud people, but we also shame them occasionally. Uh, Who do you want to shame right now? Let's go back in time and talk about shameful doctors. Mm. And I think, I think the number one shameful doctor was Joseph Mengele. 
And if you don't know about him, I'm gonna sh- I think that he is the number one doctor we should shame. He performed these experiments during World War II mm-hmm. on uh, concentration camp people. So, you know, the bottom line is that doctors, we take an oath, we're supposed to do good, we're supposed to be doing everything we can for patients. And I think that, you know, if there's the worst doctor in the world, a doctor ever, a doctor who should be shamed, it's this guy, Joseph Mengele. And, I, I, you know, why bring him up now? I, I think we can bring up these doctors now because, you know, we are in a sort of transition period from when the doctor was personal and was on your side. And, you know, we just have to keep the uh, our eye on the ball that um, we've got to just – love each other and take care of each other. Find a doctor who cares about you as an individual, and I think that's that's what we've got to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, this is uh, Heart Month, uh, February Heart Month. Uh, are you finding uh, the patients are, are coming back? They haven't come back in a while? Yeah, um, I, I think so. Um, I, I found that um, my practice is it's just, you know, been a delight. And I just keep doing things the way I'm going to do them, and I'm going to keep doing it until I retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What are some things that we should learn about Heart Month and, and taking care of ourselves, being proactive about it? Yeah, so this is National Heart Month, February. I guess they do it because of Valentine's Day. And I think the, there are several things that you have to keep in the top of your mind if you want to prevent getting heart disease. Number one is pick the right parents, um, and by that I mean genetics play the, probably the most important thing. And if you've had a f- mother, father, sister, or brother who've had a heart attack, who've had bypass surgery, who have had to have stents, uh, stroke, you are the a prime example of someone who needs to stay on top of your health. Don't smoke. Exercise regularly. Um, eat right. Keep your weight down. If you have diabetes, keep that under control. Keep your blood pressure under control. Stay vigilant. Don't smoke. And I think that if there's anything out of National Heart Month that we can uh, come away with mm-hmm. is that you can control uh, most of the risk factors that you have, except who your parents were. Very good. Well, we'd love to hear from you uh, today. Uh, lines are open right now, 919-860-9783. We're going to get to Pat. She's waiting patiently. You are listening to Dr. Franklin Weefall on the Heart Health Radio Network. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefall? Call 919-860-9783. And uh, Pat has a question. Pat's been waiting a while. Hi there, Pat. Thank you for uh, tuning in to the Heart Health Radio Network. Do you have a question for Dr. Weefold? Yes, I do. We have a a situation that's surprising. We have a a 19-year-old grandson that lives up around Winston-Salem that wants to come and live with us a while and go to school here. Uh, His family has not been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Um, um, So far, they have been... uh, they just haven't gotten sick from any of the COVID viruses. But my husband's 86, I'm 82. We're pretty healthy. Uh, my husband does have a pacemaker, but um, it's because of his, um, um, it, it beats very slow. Yeah. And the only uh, heart 
I think maybe it would be uh, he's on cholesterol medicine. Um, I don't. I, it just put us in a bad spot because this child kid would really like to come and live with us a while. And I, frankly, I have to be honest. I'm afraid. I don't know what. Boy, to do. I don't blame you. This is a real dilemma. Um, the good news is that getting the COVID now is a lot less risky than it used to be. There's not zero risk, but Omicron is the, it's 99% of all infections now. The bad news is that young people, this is the prime, you know, scenario, that a young person gets it, is either asymptomatic or barely symptomatic, comes home and gets grandma and grandpa infected, and they're the ones who get very sick. So even though Omicron is generally much uh, more infectious, but uh, much more, le- much less lethal, it, it's still a worry. And, um, you know, have you told this young gentleman that he has to get vaccinated or no? Well, we really pushed it and all, but uh, when he was a younger teenager, he was, uh, his doctor picked up some kind of heart thing with him to where they said it, he, it's best that he doesn't play organized sports. Uh, so there's something there that I, I hate to keep pushing because I don't know exactly what the condition is, but it's something that um, that if he uh, got really active, like in, on, say in tennis or baseball or something, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I don't know how severe it is. It's, okay, so they're saying that's why he can't get vaccinated. It's not a situation where I feel like I can actually talk with his dad too much. Sure. They live with their dad. Yeah, I but, can understand. But well, I don't know whether he should even get the vaccine, but if I push it and something happens to him, there I am. Okay, so you're like between a rock and a hard place. There are very few reasons why somebody should not get the vaccine. I can tell you that right now. Um, and it, it really, I mean, if this kid is active and he's up and about and doesn't have you know, um, real bad immune system, then, you know, there's a lot, and I, again, I'm not going to diagnose him over the phone, but there's a lot of, you know, old wives' tales that are being, you know, promulgated in order for people to have an excuse not to get vaccinated. Um, let me tell you what I would do if I were you. I would stick to your guns and tell, you know, him that we love you and we'd love to have you live with us the pandemic is not over with. If you want to come live with us, then you've got to get vaccinated. And I think I would stick to my guns if I were you. Because even though the risk is low, I mean, y'all have made it through life. You've built a life for yourselves. You've had some health problems. You've overcome them. The last thing in the world you want to do is take the risk of getting sick from, from COVID. And, I, you know, I don't know this kid's history, but it doesn't sound like um, there's a real reason why he can't get vaccinated. And and you just have to push him. And, and stand up for yourself, okay? Because, you know, your life is important. Uh, you guys built a life for yourselves, you and your husband. And don't cave in to family pressures when it comes to your health. And, and don't worry that someone's going to be mad at you because... Let me tell you, if, it, if the shoe's on the other foot and you do get sick from this situation, you're going to regret it. Yeah. So it's best just to 
err on the side of more caution. For Absolutely. And, you know, they should be honest with you, okay? Right. And they should say, well, you know, we just don't want to get vaccinated because we've heard all these things. Well, right. you know what? That's their problem. Your problem is is not to get sick. And if they really want, if he really wants to come live with you, then here's the other thing you can do is say, okay, you're going to go to a doctor and you're going to have this doctor say whether you are someone who should, who has a health problem, who shouldn't uh-huh. get vaccinated. Because I can tell you right now, that doctor has to be honest about it. Right. And they could pretty much tell with a, another physical and with whatever. Well, yeah, but that's condition. just based on the history. I mean, let me tell you, I've had people come to see me. I had someone who said, I'm in the military. They're going to kick me out of the military yeah. if I don't get vaccinated. I want you to write me a note saying that I'm at high risk and shouldn't get vaccinated. I looked him in the eye and said, I'm not doing that. It's, uh-huh. Number one, it's not true. And number two, you should get vaccinated. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot of, of social pressure, too. This particular person said that my spouse is a huge anti-vaxxer, and if I get vaccinated to stay in the military, he's going he he's going to divorce me. And I said, that's a bad situation, but I'm not lying. And I'm not going to, you know, uh, write some letter that's just not true. And um, that's, I think, you should do uh, everything you can to protect yourself and your husband. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Pat. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You know, there, there are two things that we have some kind of control over, and that would be hypertension and diabetes, right? right? Mm-hmm. And But there is a significant high risk for cardiovascular problems yeah. when you have both. Yeah, absolutely. Why is that? There is a connection, and now they're coming across why, and it's a it's a... It's a chemical in your body. It's a thing called GLP-1. And it looks like that protein and that thing in your body connects uh, cholesterol buildup in the arteries and diabetes. So now there are medicines that are being shown that have interactions with this that reduce the risk of, of cardiovascular disease and death when you take this medicine. So... Uh, something called Jardians, which Mm. is a medicine that works on what we call the glucose transporter in the kidney. And that seems to lower the risk by just getting that sugar out of your body. It makes you urinate out the sugar. And then medicines like Trulicity, which are GLP-1 agonists, they actually work to promote the the healthy uh, interactions in the body. They seem to reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease. Mm. And so, you know, the bottom line is, if you have diabetes and hypertension, that's a double whammy. And we call it synergistic. So the effect on the heart when you have both is more than the effect if you had one or the other. Mm. And it's, it's something that I really emphasize to my patients. And one of the reasons why I sort of took over treating diabetes and hypertension in my practice and not just focusing on, you know, doing stents and putting in pacemakers. Because if you can control both, and if they control them with the right medication, there are certain medications for blood pressure um, that actually have an adverse effect uh, if you use them in, in someone to prevent heart disease. And, and something like, it's called an alpha blocker. They don't help. In fact, they hurt. And certain diabetes medications. Now, for example, if you have type 2 diabetes, you have insulin. Okay, your insulin just doesn't work right. 
And so you want to ask your doctor, should I be on Truicity or Ozempic that helps my insulin work better? Should I be on Jardiance? And should I be coming off of insulin as much as I can? Insulin makes you gain weight. It doesn't lower your risk. Um, even if you use insulin to get your sugars down to the right level, it doesn't lower your risk of, of cardiovascular complications. So this is National Heart Month, mm-hmm. but it should also be National Diabetes and Hypertension Month because they connect uh, uh, to um, making your risk of a heart attack much worse. And strokes, too. I mean, strokes are brain attacks, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the same mechanism. It's clotting on the cholesterol buildup, leading to a lack of blood flow to the brain. So mm. be aware. You can do a lot. You can eat right. You can get your cholesterol under control. You can follow your doctor's advice to get your diabetes down to where it needs to be. Get your blood pressure under control. You will reduce your risk of having heart problems tremendously. 919-860-9783 is the number for Heart Health Radio. We have Bill uh, waiting to uh, ask Dr. Weefall the question. Hi there, Bill. Hi. Good afternoon. Hey. Um, good show. Um, shout out to Dave. Hope he, he recovers well. Uh, doctor, uh, I'm a regular listener. Thank you. And, uh, and, and uh, I, you know, I really appreciate your efforts to uh, inform us of certain situations, but um, let me bring you up to date with me. Um, you know, I had five years ago, I had open heart surgery, replace a valve, and then October of last year, I had a stroke. Okay. And uh, they they put me on a blood blood thinner and a statin, and uh, things got pretty good. And uh, but the the pain in my hip disappeared now they took me off the blood thinner i'm still on a statin and i'm on warfarin and they want me my range to be between two and three they took me off they told me not to use ginger or cranberry juice because it was having an effect right i i didn't like that idea but and i they took me off my multi-mineral vitamin supplement uh, I didn't like any of those things, but I'm complying because I know how important it is to, uh, you know, eliminate the possibility of a, a stroke, yeah. a clot, you know, yeah. a clot. Um, and that's where my question is sure. originating from is um, uh, I didn't realize that ginger, and, you know, I told you I make uh, my own dressing with the, uh, olive oil and tomatoes and ginger and uh, turmeric and garlic and all the uh, oregano and all that stuff. Um, And I'm disappointed that I can't can't use that. Well, let me ask you a question. Why are they picking warfarin? Is it a cost situation? Um, Because you can take different blood centers besides warfarin to prevent a stroke. Do you have AFib? Is that what it is? Atrial fibrillation? Well, I think that's the reason yeah I, I i you know they put me on one of those monitors for four yeah. weeks yeah and they did not detect any afib but they mm-hmm. think that it does exist that i'm not aware of yeah so they talked to you about eliquis or zarelto instead of yeah. warfarin yeah they have mentioned that but they claim that i'm going to be on this um warfarin for i think they said six months Huh. It could could have been six weeks, but I think they said six months. 
Well, that's weird. I, I doesn't. I'd have to delve into your your um, your history some more. But let me let me tell you what I do. That warfarin is a great medicine, but both Eliquis and Xarelto have been shown to be superior in reducing um, a stroke or a second stroke. The great thing about these two new medicines, and they're you know about five six years old, maybe longer. They don't have dietary restrictions. The reason why warfarin has a dietary restriction, everybody hears about green leafy vegetables, is because there are certain compounds that can make the warfarin level either too low or too high. So the only reason why I'm using warfarin nowadays is if somebody can't afford Eliquis or Xarelto. And that's a lot of people because these drugs are very expensive. A lot of times... Yeah, a lot of times insurance covers it. A lot of times it doesn't. But I would talk to them. I mean, you know, listen, if you're discomfort, and if I heard you right, you said your hip pain is coming back because you're not on the anti-inflammatories you want to take. Um, Talk to them about getting uh, off of warfarin and onto another medication, such as Eliquis or Xarelto, that you won't have these dietary restrictions. Okay. Yeah, you, you know, long time ago, before I had a stroke, I mentioned about the hip pain and in yeah. the uh, upper part of the left leg, and you said it sounded like a vascular problem, and I should have followed up with uh, your observation. And yeah. I'm, you know, kicking myself for not having followed up because, um, I, you know, I think when they put me on the blood thinner initially, uh, it's, it was unbelievable how the pain just kind of dissolved yeah went away that's great yeah okay well, listen well, thank thanks you. yeah thanks for calling no, in and, really and let us efforts, know uh, let us know talk to your doctor find out exactly why he or she said only six months on the blood thinner because i'm not quite sure uh what kind of condition would that be but let me know yes sir We'll do. Thank God you. God bless. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. We have some news that's good for chocoholics coming up, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that's coming up next. And uh, Marie, we're getting to you next too. This is the Heart Health Radio Network. All right, well, this is Heart Health Radio, and we're going to shout out someone that did something good this week. Well, it's someone who's been doing good all the time for the last 13 years. I don't know her. I just saw this on ABC 11. Her name is Kelly, and I'm going to say DeLeo, and I think that's the right pronunciation. 13 years ago, she had a heart attack, and she was relatively young. She's a mom in Carrie, and now she has devoted her life to working with people like the American Heart Association, the Tobacco Road Half Marathon. Are they going to change that name, Tobacco Mm. Road? (laughs) I wonder if they hand out, I'm just kidding, Tobacco Road is just a name for our area. But she's really been motivated and she's been teaching people about how to reduce their risk of heart attack. Now, she's obviously done well. 13 years, hasn't had another cardiac event. So, if you're listening, shout out. If you know Kelly DeLeo, pat her on the back. She's taken her own 
situation that was a, a, a negative and it must have been devastating for her and turn it into a tremendous positive, mm-hmm. educating and um, working with other people to make sure that their hearts stay healthy. And um, I had his tip to you. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd love to meet her. She sounds like a great person. Absolutely. And I'm sure Marie is a great person, too. She's oh, yeah. been waiting on the line. Hi there, Marie. Welcome to Heart Health Radio. Hey, Dr. Weefall. Hey, sweetie. How you been? I just wanted to call uh, someone that I'm pretty sure they have a birthday Wednesday. Uh-oh. Am I talking to that person? And if you I might am, be, I'm but you know, after I, turn, able to, uh, after I turned 39, I stopped selling it. <laughs> You didn't think I would remember, did you? Uh, You know, listen, I think that if you look back in the history of my practice, okay, there are very few people that I associate with uh, complete and total happiness and and wonder and the gratefulness that I have, that I have people like you in my life. Because, yeah, sometimes being a doctor is a real pain and you wonder, why am I doing this, especially since uh, Obamacare and all the record keeping and all the prior authorizations and all the accusations that doctors are bad people. If I look back on my life, uh, Marie Casey and Bill Casey are two of the main reasons why I still enjoy what I do. And even though Marie and Bill, you know, they had to come, they live in Raleigh and they would come out to, to Smithfield to see me all the time. Mm-hmm. And eventually it got to the point where they decided that they had to be in Raleigh uh, to be closer to their doctors and not have to drive all the way. But, you know, I still stay in touch, and here she is on the phone, and here I am getting older and older. Mm. But we all are, aren't we? Well, uh, I think you were probably in your 40s when I first met you. I was. But you're not going to tell anybody how old I am now, right? Well, just... That country song, I don't know if you ever heard, I believe it was George Jones that sang, I don't need no Medicare and I don't want no rocking chair. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I do I do have a rocking chair. Well, and I don't want you to retire. I'm. Uh, do you remember, you probably remember when we, uh, some of those girls made you uh, for your birthday or Valentine's one, King of Hearts. Yep. You remember that song? You, yeah, the had? King of Hearts. I love it. I still have that <laughs> over my desk. Yeah. I'll never but, uh, lose that. I was just sitting here thinking, and I said, I believe it is Wednesday, right? The ninth. The ninth. You oh, got it. gosh. I was not quite sure. Yep. But I, I knew that it was right at the end of the program, and uh, I just wanted to call you and wish you a uh, happy birthday. And right. I don't want. I'm sad when Carolina comes on in your place. Well, you know, let me tell you, usually when that happens, if you know there's a Carolina game at noon, we're (laughs) we're usually on Friday nights beforehand at 7 p.m. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like next know. week. <laughs> okay, well, I know time's running out, and uh, I've enjoyed your, uh, let's see, what's uh, your, uh, well, I don't, uh, Replacement? Replacement? <laughs> today. Okay. I've Th- enjoyed him today. Well, well thank he, you, Marie. He is, he right. is the well, host. See you later. Happy birthday. He's All the right. host with the most. All right. Uh, uh, Don, we just have a few minutes left. Uh, welcome to Heart Health Radio. What's your question for Dr. Weefall? Hi, Dr. Weefall. Hey. Uh, I am uh, someone a little bit like one of your earlier callers. I'm in uh, my mid-70s. I'm diabetic, 
and uh, I have a problem with uh, cholesterol. I'm currently controlled at the low 100, around 110, mm-hmm. but I'd like to do like you did and get it lower. And one time you mentioned uh, how you'd approach that yeah. uh, with, added, with, with supplements, and I was just wondering if you could quickly list those. Okay, let me, let me just say that. Are you on a statin? I am. Okay, and, and what, what is it and what dose? Can you tell me? Uh, I don't know the dosage, rosuvastatin. Okay, that's a great one. That's what I'm on, too. Um, I'm going to tell you that, that there are supplements that I take, um, but the number one thing about cholesterol and about preventing heart disease is chemicals. Without chemicals, <laughs> cholesterol lowering would be impossible. And the reason is um, you can't get anything as potent. So let me tell you what I did. Um, I had a CT scan for other reasons. I had a big chunk of cholesterol sitting on my Widowmaker, passed my stress test, but I wanted to get rid of it. I also had a big chunk of cholesterol sitting in my artery to my brain. My LDL was 178, which means I have something called heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia. It means it's in my genes. So I took 40 milligrams of Crestor, highest dose, got it down to 130. I took 10 of Zetia, Zetamibi got it down to 120, but I knew I had to get it lower. So I went on a medicine, a monoclonal antibody that works in a different way to lower cholesterol, and my cholesterol got down to 11. I don't mean 111, I mean 11. And two years later, I took my um, uh, CT scan again, and the blockage was almost completely gone. Mm. The one on my neck is gone. Now, what does this mean? Now, I take turmeric, I take ginger, and I take something called, uh, I guess you call it natural, vesepa. And vesepa is the fish oil that's highly purified, and it is basically one chemical in fish oil that's purified. It's called EPA. And, And let me tell you, the reason why I take the turmeric, ginger, and the milk thistle is not to lower cholesterol, but to lower the inflammation. And the inflammation is what scars the arteries and causes plaques to rupture and form clots and heart attacks. So I would recommend you take all those things. As far as vasepa is concerned, it's better than regular fish oil, but it's a prescription medication and you have to get it from your physician. Um, Now, other supplements, vitamin D. But only take it if your vitamin D level is low. If it is low, take some vitamin D. That also will prevent heart disease. And B12 as well. Um, You can take as much B12 as you want to. But that seems to have a link to better health overall. Great. Good luck. I take take some of these. I take vitamin D and B12 already. And I'm on a um, purified um, fish oil for uh, dry eye. Oh, okay. And, uh, that was prescribed by my ophthalmologist, so Great. maybe that uh, work will work. But I'll ask about Vasipa. Yep, and okay. ask about Repatha, R-E-P-A-T-H-A. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, God bless you. Hey, thank you, Don. Uh, it, it has been a pleasure being with the, you, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Well, and uh, you have a great website, by the way. Yeah. Lots of information yep. at Heart Health Radio dot com dave alexander i promise will be here 
next Friday night. Let's let's hope and pray seven that o'clock. Gets over this. Let's yeah. hope uh, you have been listening to the Heart Health Radio Network. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.